0: hello and welcome to the for we are many podcast today we're going to be talking about the mayday riots of 1919 that happened in cleveland ohio um, the riots were largely a response to the imprisonment of eugene debs we have we have pieces about eugene debs um, as well as pieces about organizations that he was involved with such as the Socialist Party, Social Democracy of America, uh, the IWW, and a whole lot more. The IWW is directly relevant to this. um, And it took place. uh, It kind of kicked off the first Red Scare, which we also have a piece about. Um, if, If you're interested in taking a look at any of those, they should be all of them should be on our website at forwearemany.org. Um, if you cannot find them, though, uh, hit up the page and we'll make sure to get that updated. We are still in the process of rebuilding. All right. Well. I guess, uh, let's get it done. So, um, the May Day riots occurred in Cleveland on May Day, May 1st, 1919, and marked a major episode of unrest that characterized the rising tensions in American society at the time of the first Red Scare, view our piece on uh, the first Red Scare, in the wake of the 1917 Bolshevik Revolution in Russia. The clashes involved socialists, the IWW trade union members, police, and military troops. The disturbances in Cleveland occurred alongside May Day clashes in other major American cities such as New York and Boston. Um, However, it was Cleveland that experienced the worst and the most violent unrest. Uh, And we probably will uh, drop little bits in about New York and Boston and other major American cities um but as as i just stated cleveland experienced the worst and the most violent unrest so naturally um that'll be our focus focus why did i put a t on that uh the events of may day may day 1919 came only months after the seattle general general strike of february 1919 which we'll also have a piece coming out about in just days just days after bombs were mailed to several prominent American public figures by the followers of Italian art, uh, anarchist Luigi Gagliani. As an industrial center with close to a million people and a large blue-collar foreign-born population of roughly 30%, Cleveland was fertile ground for labor activism. Um, the entire Midwest was, let's, let's be real about that. Um Yeah, I mean Detroit, Flint. Um Those were two of the largest um labor struggle locations. So it only makes sense that although this predates those, that it's also in the Midwest. It's part of the Rust Belt. <clears throat> um Its preeminent radical was Charles Ruthenberg, which I think that we should do a piece about uh, Charles Charles. Ruthenberg as a standalone thing. Um, We'll keep you updated on that. It's probably gonna happen. He was a socialist activist born to German immigrant parents, which we have a piece about the collectivized immigrants of the late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, Almost all of this American labor history that we're talking about has been a direct result of that. And I didn't even know about that until Dean pointed it out. So thank you Dean for that. Um, But yeah, we have a piece about it. Check it out. We talk pretty in depth about this. Arrested for opposing American involvement in World War I, Ruthenberg sought to hold a mass demonstration on Cleveland's public square on May 1st, um, International Workers' Day. The aim was to protest the jailing of socialist Eugene Eugene V. Debs. Um, This is his jail sentence for sedition. Uh, Following a speech that he gave in Ohio. Um... He was, uh, he ran a presidential campaign from that jail sentence in 1920. Um, again, you can, you can check out our pieces on Eugene Debs. I believe there's two, um, as well as our, uh, pieces about the organizations he was involved with the social democracy of America, the socialist party of America, which I mean, the socialist party is very relevant to this piece. That's part of the reason it was chosen. (coughs) Um, There was another, oh yeah, we also have a piece about the IWW, which is crucial uh, to this situation. Um, All of that should be available on our Facebook, our YouTube, our website, and podcast platforms. If anything is missing from one of those locations, go check out another and let us know so we can fix that um we're still in the process of remodeling our website uh, making sure that everything on there is posted and is up to date (laughs) today actually not today let me circle back i also just want to talk about um it's been out for a minute we have some partner content posted on our website it is the complete Wow, I just totally spaced out there for a minute. It is the complete um, series done by Bread Theory on The Conquest of Bread by Peter Kropotkin. I told you we've been trying to branch more out into anarchist theory. um, And this, I don't know if I want to call it a partnership because it's not officially, but um, I felt like it was important to, I felt like that was an important book. And since he had already done it, (coughs) uh, we are platforming it on our website, both to expose our followers to his work, and hopefully uh, have that be more of a two-way street in the future. future. Um, But time will tell. Anyway, point is, check out our website for um, The Conquest of Bread. Uh, back to the May Day riot. So I'm getting a little off topic here. Uh, the aim was to protest the jailing of socialist Eugene V. Debs and to voice opposition to the American intervention in Russia's civil war on the side of the whites against the reds. At the time, socialism was on the ascendancy in Cleveland and the entire Midwest, if we're honest about it. In 1917, that fateful year of the Bolshevik Revolution, Ruthenberg ran for mayor on the socialist ticket and won nearly 30 percent of the vote. However, uh, Cleveland was a was ultimately a city dominated by established political machines. The Cleveland socialists had no way to gain power, uh, no easy way to gain power, I should say. A circumstance that made local Cleveland much more radical than other branches of the Socialist Party in the Great Lake Great Lakes region. Um. The events of May, May Day, sorry, 1919, commenced when the procession of 30,000 people, imagine 30,000 people in the streets today, or imagine what that number would be with with today's population. Marched from the socialist headquarters at Acme Hall, later called Germania Hall, uh, which was also used as the Goodwill Industries headquarters. um, The building designed and built Or sorry, the building built in 1887 was demolished in 1954 on Prospect Avenue and towards Public Square. They they were divided into four units, each with a red flag and an American flag at its head. Um, Many marchers also wore red clothing, red badges, etc. The group consisted of the Socialists, the IWW, and the American Federation of Labor, which we also have a piece on. Many were immigrants, which we also have a piece on, particularly from Southern and Eastern Europe, including Hungarians, Jews, Russians, Poles, Italians, Slavics, and Czechs. Uh, They don't don't mention Germans in here, but there was a lot of German immigrants who were very crucial to the labor movement and the socialist movement and the anarchist movement uh, in America in the early 1900s. Even more critically, The procession also included veterans from World War I, dressed in full uniform. The riots began when an anti-socialist veteran attempted to take the red flag of a marching pro-socialist veteran. The subsequent clashes pitted the socialist markers against a group of self-styled patriots opposed to socialism. Because, yeah, we don't still hear that today, right? Looking at you, Proud Boys. Uh, Dub loyalists, by the Cleveland Press. The the city used mounted police, army trucks, and even a battle tank from the Western Front to restore order. Two people died, many were injured, and 124 were arrested by Cleveland Police, including Rufenberg. Significantly, none of those on the Loyalist side were arrested by police. None. Gee, I wonder why. Were they... Protecting the interests of capital, maybe? The Socialist Party's headquarters at Acme Hall were ransacked by a mob of 100 men. Cleveland's major newspapers attacked the foreign-born participants of the rally as, quote, foreign agitators, even though they were naturalized citizens and demanded their deportation. Such nativist xenophobia would foreshadow the Immigration Acts of 1921 and 24. Which restricted immigration of undesirable Southern and Eastern Europeans to the U.S. Um, This is still something we struggle with today, very much so. But remember, all these collectivized peoples were coming from uh, South and East Europe, uh, Europe, I almost said European, Europe to the U.S. And uh, that was a big jumpstart to the labor, socialist, and anarchist anarchist movements in the United States. Um, So naturally, they had to restrict that. You know, the land of the free and all. You don't have freedom of movement. Anyway, so the Mayday riots were followed by several other disturbances across the country, including most tragically, the Wall Street bombing of 1920, which I have right here on my list of upcoming pieces. Um, however, as America entered the Roaring Twenties, the first Red Scare gradually receded from uh, public consciousness. Clevelanders danced the Charleston to hot jazz amid a, uh, amid a seemingly prosperous future, remember the Great Depression is right around the corner at that point, and many preferred to move beyond the violent tumult that shook Public Square in May 1919 still, the May Day riots uh, remain significant, not simply as an event, but evidence of a longer, too forgotten history of what some might term radicalism in Greater Cleveland. It is a history that warrants our attention as often as it challenges the accepted historical narrative of the city. Uh, That was written by Pietro A. Shikarian from Ohio State University. Um, he, it was used, parts of this were used in an honors thesis from 2016, actually, uh, that came from Case Western Reserve University. So, uh, that was just a nice short overview, kind of give us an idea what we'll be talking about today. Um... So, that being said, um, yeah, moving on. Um, all right. So I, um, Wanted to play this video clip. I'm gonna be talking through it. It's silent footage. It's newsreel footage from the 20s. Um, So let's just get that rolling. (laughs) But, um, so the year before, um, obviously when I say the year before, we're talking about 1918. Eugene Debs' federal court trial was held in Cleveland, and Charles Ruthenberg's Socialist Party chose to hold a march which would both protest against Debs' imprisonment as well as help promote Ruthenberg's own candidacy for mayor of Cleveland. Uh, the procession consisted of 32 groups divided into four units, as we just talked about, each holding a socialist flag and an American flag at its head. Although the cause of the riots is disputed, repeated demands by the police and army personnel the marchers relinquished their flags became reportedly became a flashpoint and um, according to the um cleveland bicentennial commission as they marched to cleveland's public square one of the units was stopped on superior avenue by a group of victory liberty loan workers who demanded that they lower their flags. At some point, an army lieutenant. Time out. Why does this say that I'm st- that I was streaming? This is I'm in record only. I am hoping that that's a mistake. Anyway. Um, At some point, an army lieutenant, uh, leading a number of soldiers, likewise directed the marchers to discard their flags. Um, But according to a different source in Cleveland, which I was just reading from, um, it wasn't an active-duty soldier uh, that tried to take the flag. It was an anti-communist veteran or anti-socialist veteran uh, that did so. So, anyway... When the marchers refused to do so, the lieutenant ordered his soldiers to attack. And I would not be at fucking all surprised by that. Um, Unfortunately. Mass fighting broke out pretty much immediately. A call for reserves brought several mounted police who charged their horses directly into the uh, crowd and swung their clubs indiscriminately. In this ensuing melee... Over 20 marchers were severely injured by the clubs, and ambulances from nearby hospitals were dispatched to rescue the many wounded. After the first riot had been quelled, the second riot began in the downtown area, specifically the public square where former Secretary of Treasury William Gibbs McAdoo was addressing a victory loan rally at Keith's Hippodrome, an army lieutenant ordered socialists to steer or to clear away from a speaking platform and directed his men to attack all of those who did not comply with his orders. Weird, I thought it was a public space. Am I missing something? I gotta be missing something. But uh, if you take a look at the video right now, what we're seeing is police attacking the fucking Socialist Party headquarters with clubs. The police, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just saying. Um, right. Um, Mounted policemen with clubs and army tanks charged the crowd. 70 individuals were arrested and, and incarcerated at the Central Police Station. A third riot then occurred on Euclid Avenue, in the heart of the shopping district. Later in the evening, Ruthenberg's Socialist Party headquarters on Prospect Avenue was ransacked by soldiers, police, and armed civilians. This latter mob completely demolished the building and typewriters and uh, office furniture were thrown into the street. Towards the end of the day, the anti-socialists piled scores of red flags and banners, which they had taken by force from the marchers, at the foot of the Soldiers and Sailors Monument in Public Square and set them alight in a giant bonfire. Um, so, I, I mean, again, what we're what we're seeing here is just... the red scale... or scale... the red scare coming into full swing. Um... And unfortunately, I don't think any of us are really surprised by this. Um, we we see this again and again throughout history, and one can only hope. Oops, one can only hope um, that that will change. That's all we can fucking help, right? So we're, we're seeing, I think, a precedent set. Um, for police to use this kind of brutality. Um anyway, the police use mounts army trucks, and tanks to, uh, in response to the protest. Casualties amounted to two people killed, 40 injured, 116 arrested, including Ruthenberg himself on a charge of, quote, assault with intent to kill. Local newspapers quickly pointed out that only eight of those arrested were born in the United States. In response to the riots, the city government immediately passed laws to restrict parades and the display of red flags. Um, a lot are still, in one way or another, still in the books today. Uh, we have to get permits and, and meet certain criteria to march. Um, I don't know so much about the red flags anymore, but here in Arizona, uh, communists are forbidden from ballot access ever by law. <sighs> anyway, overall, the occurrence is seen as the most violent of a series of similar disorders that took place throughout the US as a result of the first Red Scare. Uh, The account is disputed by the IWW in the newspaper, The New Solidarity, in which they outline that those there celebrating May Day had not violated any city ordinance to incite rioting, and that the the then Republican mayor of Cleveland, Harry L. Davis, had issued an order to the police to suppress any violations of law with, quote, promptness and firmness, setting the tone of how police would respond to the event they detail that as those at the event were incited by police and self-described patriots again we see that word coming back again and again and again throughout history causing a disturbance but not a riot that this was this then was detailed as the pretense for the police to move in to suppress the perceived riot in order to, quote, suppress lawlessness by using mounted police and German tanks taken from Germany after World War I, were used indiscriminately by the police and army, despite the fact that there were women and children in attendance. The article suggests that the death and injuries were the results of police acting to break up the celebration, and that overall... There were 130 sentenced and or fined. Um, these aren't the first May Day riots that happened in the United States either, uh, that happened, I'm sorry, in Cleveland, Ohio, there was also riots in 1894. Um, following the panic of 1893 riots broke out among the unemployed who condemned city leaders for their ineffective relief measures. According to the New York Times, the desire to stop work seemed to take possession over every laborer. Uh, remember that May Day is International Workers Day, uh, and it's a day for remembering the workers who died in the Haymarket Affair of 1886. Um, so we also have a piece on the Haymarket. I think we called it the Haymarket Riot. If not, it's the Haymarket Affair. Um, so that that's kind of the, the where all of this stems from, and uh, in terms of um, the May Day riots of nineteen nineteen, obviously that's what the this episode is about. I also wanted to talk about other cities. Um, give me just a second here. I'm working on it. Well, I wasn't planning on reading a, a whole book about it, but We There is a a news article from Boston from 1919. Um, Give me just one second here, you guys. I had to create an account to read this article, but luckily it's not behind a paywall. So we're good. Um, so leftist groups and causes have made major headlines of late in the hub and elsewhere, especially as they've responded, note that responded to far right and neo-Nazi, uh, demonstrations popping across, uh, popping up across the country. A most sensational such brush went down uh, on Boston Common last August. And while the events that transpired were far less violent than in Charlottesville, for example, where uh, clashes shocked the nation last July, the media attention was still uh, prevalent and took on many of the tones that coverage in this realm have taken for more than a century. Consider the Working Men's uh, Party Though started in New York and Philadelphia, one of the Marxist outfit's strongest factions in New England was based in New Bedford, where in 1834, some disillusioned laborers began to speak out about, quote, the only true party for the working man. The capitalist press wasn't having it as various uh, demonstrations occurred from Boston to the South Coast, with documented rallies uh, also taking place in Lynn, Lawrence, and Brockton. The establishment fought back as working men momentum uh, sped up over the next hundred plus years. So did the negative coverage as Leninist Russia made waves in the international press at the beginning of the last century. Socialists in Boston and elsewhere were persecuted for their so-called un-American values. We still hear that today too. Coinciding with the Russian revolution breaking out in 1917, uh, A judge in Massachusetts issued John Doe warrants for demonstrators at a workingmen's rally on Boston Common, serving as an extreme scare tactic and worse. As tensions grew between authorities and socialist types, one infamous standoff in Roxbury in 1919 just showed just how grisly things could get. At Monroe Avenue and Humboldt Street, activists and Boston cops fought hand to hand until police backup led to more than 100 arrests. Uh, reports from the scene described overcrowded holding cells that were splashed with the blood of protesters, and I'm not even remotely surprised about that. Remember, there's no there's no real um, method of accountability at that point. It's all just hearsay. Those clashes, along with many others like them all across the country, would become labeled the Mayday riots, and the fallout was memorable. Old headlines show that Judge Albert Hayden, who oversaw the Roxbury cases, was even targeted by a rogue anarchist group that attempted to to murder him by placing a pipe bomb in his home, almost entirely destroying it. Hayden and his family were vacationing in Plymouth at the time and managed to avoid what the press described as a Bolshevik bomb. In the wreckage, police recovered a note that read, You will never get all of us. We multiply. Um, remember that, as, as we learned in the Emma Goldman piece, the anarchist movement especially was very motivated by propaganda of the deed. Um, and these are exactly such actions. Um, such violence added fuel to the fire against left-leaning groups and led to more negative coverage of their causes. In time, the working men's party dissolved, though affiliated and comparable groups still endured with the 100th anniversary uh of those significant events coming next year you can count on us we'll see about that because this is not from the next year and i didn't see anything that was from the next year i lied the first piece i read that recap was from dig boston uh anyway sorry Um, until then, here's a short excerpt from the May 14th, 1919 Boston Herald. William James Sidis, who was graduated from Harvard at the age of 15, told Judge Albert F. Hayden in the Roxbury Municipal Court yesterday that he is a socialist, a believer in the Soviet form of government, democratic centralism is what it's called, um, we talk about that throughout pieces. That's that's how our podcast, Central Committee, runs, actually. Uh, that he believed in evolution, that he does not believe in a god, that his god is evolution, that he believes in our form of government to the extent of the Declaration of Independence, which w- which was a quite radical document for the time. Um, but, I mean... The Constitution was kind of a watering down of the content. There's no protections for overthrowing your government or anything like that. Um, The Constitution was a much more counter-revolutionary document than the Declaration was. And I think that we see anarchists and socialists and communists all agreeing with that point. Anyway, Siddhis... And 11 other persons who were arrested during the Mayday riots in Roxbury were given jail uh, sentences. The so-called Harvard prodigy getting a year and a half. Um, luckily, there wasn't a bunch of deaths in Boston. But there certainly was hand-to-hand combat with the police on a mass scale. Um... And I have a thing from the Library of Congress. Uh, this is a horrible format. You would think the federal government would. I'm not gonna read this whole thing, but I'm gonna read uh, an ex- or an excerpt from it. Um, but this is from the Library of Congress. Uh, Congress pertaining to the May Day riots in New York City, <clears throat> uh, throughout okay, throughout the nation, uh, one for one to venture below Twenty Eighth Street or above Twenty Fourth. Later, the lines extended north to Thirty Second and south to Twenty Third. Besides uniform police, there were men in plain clothes from all five boroughs. In addition. Uh, 260 members of the Provost Guard appeared, commanded by Captain Mills and Lieutenants Gannon, Dawkins, and Pankos. On the outskirts of the area, cut off by the guards, soldiers and sailors milled about, formed in flying wedges, and tried to break through the line, or rallied in small groups while uh, someone of their number spoke. Several men had bought bugles with them, and time and again, the assembly call rang, Uh, You know, like, through the darkness As men gathered for a new assault on the lines 300 sailors Headed by a man carrying an American flag Drove through the police lines At 24th Street in Lexington Um, And, you know, like Boy, said the lieutenant This won't do I sympathize with your patriotism But it's another way to show it And they're talking about the Provo Guards, the, the, um, policemen, the Patriots. Um, long story short, Lieutenant Gannon ordered the crowd out because, you know, who did he actually side with? Um... A man and two women came out of the garden and started south along Lexington Avenue. Um, So the bugles call assembly and the women scream and fought back. Uh, When the provost guard charged the struggling group, her coat and waist were in tatters and she was badly scratched and bruised. She was taken to the subway station, sobbing hysterically. Meanwhile, the bugles were calling assembly again in front of the Hotel Prince George where 500 soldiers and sailors were rallying around an American flag held aloft by Eddie Gillespie, former private of the 114th Infantry, who has three medals for heroism in France. That would be World War I, obviously. Um, So the point is, though, is that we're seeing these kind of paramilitary tactics, right? We're seeing these kind of military force against protesters, against people marching in the streets. And it was, it should have been as unacceptable then as it is now, ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen. as unacceptable. Um, so this is, this is really all I have to say about the Mayday riots in 1919. They were started by the police. Just like the riots in 1968 at the Democratic National Convention. Just like the riots at Occupy. Just like the riots at Black Lives Matter. You know? It's just... Over and over again. We see this. Um, anyway, that's that's really all I have to say about it. it, it we still see the powers that be... Using these same tactics. And it's time for us to say enough is enough. Um, I, of course, want to encourage everybody to visit our website to keep up to date on what we're doing. Uh, We're trying to launch a climate change weekly column so if you want to be a part of that let us know uh when we have an actual release date set we'll also let you know on that um furthermore if you want to write anything for us pertaining to it doesn't have to be pertaining to climate change but if you want to write about communism socialism anarchism social democracy that's we will platform that um absolutely (laughs) um Let's see here. Give me just a second. I'm trying to just bring something up real quick. New. There we go, there we go. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, in the future, I will be doing this not while I'm recording. There we go. Okay. If you would like to, uh, check us out on all of our, uh, social media platforms, Uh, We're on Facebook. I highly encourage you not just to follow the page, but also to follow our education and discussion group. Um, That group is slowly but surely growing and it's busy every day. Uh, We talk about what's happening in the world around us. Uh, And I think it's an important part of what what we're doing here. We're trying to build a community, even if it's just for that. um we're on twitter at for we are many too uh on youtube tiktok and instagram we are at for we are many podcast. now we have on our website we have links to our patreon we have links to um our paypal and uh as a bonus for our patrons we've been tr- We've been trying to figure out what we can do for our patrons since we started because we want all of this information to be out there and available for everyone, regardless of whether or not they have the means to contribute financially to us. But we reached a middle ground and what we can do for our patrons is, uh, what we are doing, I should say for our patrons is making these streams available to them when they're recorded uh you know once the editing's done we post them to patreon and then they become live on the set date uh on the rest of our platforms youtube facebook uh many.org even um so yeah that being said uh if you're seeing this on patreon you're probably seeing this before our fans on facebook youtube twitch twitter etc um yeah i think that's all i have um join us tuesdays uh for our current event streams wednesdays for our historical pieces and thursday for our black panther party pieces and soon actually it may start the week that this goes live but soon Uh, We will be starting a cross-pollination project is what I've been calling it with bread theory um, to cover anarchism and other essays by Emma Goldman. So, uh, yeah, I hope everybody will join us for that. And uh, until next time, friends, solidarity.